The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. The latest trends and hottest topics, love and sex, handled honestly and with passion. Here's Dr. Lori, CJAD 800. Coming up in the program, uh, we have our LGBTQ panel. Uh, we'll be talking about themes in television and film, uh, mostly film, LGBT themes, and the big, big blockbuster we need to talk about, which I absolutely loved, was Bohemian Rhapsody. So we'll talk about that. Another movie coming out called Boy Erased about conversion therapy. We'll talk about that. Uh, so lots and lots to discuss and anything else you want to discuss with regards to LGBTQ uh, issues, uh, uh, things that are going on, you can share that with us at 514-800. But first, time to check out our inbox. Your calls and texts are always welcome. Connect with Passion now at 514-790-0800 or 514-800. Don't forget that you can always email me during the week, uh, Lori at drlaurie.com. Uh, first question, and this was left over on our text board, so I hope the person is listening tonight. Is it possible that when someone has a big penis, the internal parts of the clitoris get stimulated? When a man has a very long penis, it's even felt in the stomach, which can sometimes be uncomfortable. Do vaginas have different lengths? So th this is a excellent question and a great opportunity to learn a little bit more about the clitoris. So oftentimes we think of the clitoris as the, the part that you can feel on the vulva, on the outside of the vulva. But in fact, that's just a, a very, very small part of the structure. It has a shaft that goes inside. It has uh, legs and bulbs, so which you don't see, are on the internal structure, on the sides of the vaginal canal. So the answer to that is yes, that it can be, for women who uh, can have orgasms through intercourse, something is happening that it is stimulating the internal uh, structure. There was a study done that showed that those women who were able to have intercourse, uh, orgasms through intercourse had a shorter distance between the clitoris and the uh, vaginal opening. So that kind of makes sense. If the distance is shorter, there's more pressure on the internal, um, on the internal structure of the clitoris. As to feeling it in the stomach, you, the, the penis goes nowhere near the stomach, just want to say, but it may hit uh, the cervix, uh, which then kind of, uh, you know, reverberates into the belly, the uterus, and that's what you're feeling is the stomach, the uterus. Uh, so that's, that may be happening. As for, uh, as for different lengths, uh, yes. And in fact, as women get older, the vagina can shorten as well. So that's part of an aging vagina or aging process. Uh, so for some women later on in life, they may experience um, maybe uh, more discomfort or more of that feeling of discomfort deep inside internally, uh, probably because of the shortness of uh, of the vagina. So, uh, but but the vagina also in when it's aroused uh, expands. So even though it's uh, what three inches, four inches, something like that in in length, it actually expands and makes room. Uh, for the penis and all of that. So uh, it's a, a very wonderful organ, if you ask me. It does its job real well, so unless it's painful. And then 
it's not people with painful vaginas are not all that happy. All right, let's move on to uh, penises now and erections. Uh, question about this. So it starts off with early prostate trouble or low testosterone. I'm approaching the age of 32 and I've been experiencing mild on again, off again erectile issues since I was in my mid 20s. Isn't that too early to have issues gaining and maintaining an erection? Now, as far as premature ejaculation is concerned, I typically have just the opposite end of the spectrum, difficulty ejaculating. It's become a growing concern in my current relationship because she says it makes her feel like I'm not attracted to her or that she is unable to please me. I assure her that isn't the case, but it has become extremely frustrating for both of us because I will approach climax and instead of ejaculating, I will begin to lose my erection. For the most part, I can immediately recover... Uh, but more so lately, it's becoming more and more difficult. Now, this will happen several times until I eventually ejaculate. Sometimes can be slightly painful, depending on how many times the buildup and tearing down has occurred. The flip side is that she or I will get frustrated to the point where we just stop. And then I get backed up with blue balls and try to avoid the argument or emotional meltdown with or by her. Please help me. What can I do to maintain that rock hard wood you can hammer nails with? I'm not sure you can hammer nails or try to with any kind of penis, but uh, I get your, uh, your message. So just from what you describe, this does not sound like a physical condition, meaning like related to prostate issues as you thought, or maybe low testosterone, uh, as you thought, especially at your age at 32, this sounds more like uh, performance anxiety. The more you worry about ejaculating, the less likely you are to. So when a person worries, what happens? They are in their minds, in their heads, rather than in their bodies, which is why you may lose your erection or, or even have trouble with the ejaculation part of it. So you're right. It has nothing to do with your partner. It has nothing to do with how attracted you are to her. I hope she's listening. Um, but it has become a vicious cycle of frustration, which leads to even more anxiety. And then the cycle keeps going and going, and then you develop a kind of uh, erectile uh, dysfunction. So as I know this is easier said than done, but the best advice is for you to let go of your expectations. Spend more time just feeling the sensations. And this, you look up mindfulness uh, techniques to try this, but it's what you have to do. You have to be mindful in the present moment and and just feel the sensations rather than judge them with your brain. Um, And you have to do this without the goal of climax. So don't worry about the blue balls. Nobody's ever died from that. So, you know, you may have to tolerate a little bit, but, uh, if you, if the goal is not climax and the goal is simply to give each other pleasure and to connect and all of that, uh, then you'd let go of this, this, this pressure and which will reduce the anxiety. And if it works great, if it doesn't let it go until the next time, Uh, The other thing I'm wondering, you don't say much about this, but 
I'm wondering if whether you've gotten used to one form of stimulation uh, through masturbation. And then when you're with a partner, intercourse doesn't offer you that same sensation that you are uh, so used to. So if that's the case, because I'm not sure you don't say, you may want to hold off on masturbation for a while just so that your body can get used to uh, a new uh, sensation because this is a problem I've seen uh, recurring in in men. This is quite uh, quite common. The texter writes, would it help him if he closed his eyes? Sometimes, though, closing your eyes, whether they're open or closed, you, you're in your head anyway. So it would be, uh, I mean, you could, you can practice that and maybe and focus just on bodily sensations. But whether you keep them open or closed, the goal is to focus on your bodily sensation and not on all of the thoughts going on. Uh, so coming up, our LGBTQ panel will be in. We'll be discussing themes in film. But From the pleasure to the pain and everything in between. Passion with Dr. Lori. News Talk Radio, CJAD 800. Tonight on our LGBT panel, we're talking films. Films with LGBT content, themes, and how they are addressed. Are we satisfied with the way things are portrayed or not? Is it an accurate representation or not? And the people to ask are, of course, my LGBT panelists. Uh, uh, professor Bill Ryan is here. He's a longtime LGBT activist. He's a professor at McGill University. Charles Lowe, a.k.a. Dolly Blonde, who's a musician and songwriter, is here, who's performing uh, November 25th at La Vitrola. So you may want to check out uh, Dolly there. Beautiful voice, if I may say so. Uh, all right, where do we begin? Now, you and I, uh, Charles and I both saw uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, but you did not. I did not yet. How dare you? <laughs> I'm shocked. Mm. It'll happen soon. It better happen soon. However, you're up to date with like the controversy surrounding it. And I was just reading an article about this where um, the the guy, what's the guy's name, Malik? Uh, uh, Rami Malik. Rami Malik, yes. who plays uh, uh, Freddie Mercury, was talking about how he was pushing to have more depictions of Freddie Mercury's love life and his gay love life, right? You see a lot of his love life, his straight love life at the beginning of the film, Mm -hmm. but you don't see much uh, later on. And so he kept pushing, pushing, and they, I guess they they didn't really explore it that much. We don't want to, we don't want to give away too much, but we, I'd like to talk about this theme because it's, it does address his homosexuality albeit not so much. Mm-hmm. And uh, we all know that everybody knows, at least I thought everybody knew he was gay and that he uh, died of AIDS. Um, but it doesn't talk that much about it. Like that's one s- very small part of the, the movie. Yeah. What did you think? Definitely. Uh, I went into the movie definitely with hesitations and with reservations, definitely reading different reviews. There's a very interesting op-ed uh, on CBC that was very much stating that mm. his depiction of his queerness or just his depiction of his sexuality uh, was shown as sort of the the beginning of his downfall, the beginning of his demise into drugs, into alcohol, mm-hmm. into, into sex, which eventually led to his quote-unquote... Uh, well, death. death of AIDS, right. Exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, while the movie, in my opinion, definitely showed more of his musicality and more of his relationship with the band, uh, I do think that his sexuality and his relationship with women, his relationship with men, definitely took a subtext into this film right. and had um, 
Again, not the best representation, but I do definitely uh, appreciate Rami Malek's contribution into mm. in trying to include his love life more and more into this film. What I liked is that it was in the film, there was never any real doubt that he was gay. Mm-hmm. I, I felt anyway. And what I liked about it was that the acceptance all around. So the, his relationship with his bandmates, who I assume knew he was gay the mm-hmm. whole time, although nobody ever, ever said anything about it. Mm-hmm. It was never mentioned like that, that it was just not mentioned except a couple of jokes here and there. But, uh, th- that the level of acceptance and that was way back then. Like mm-hmm. this, this was to me maybe a little bit unusual. And the, the, the whole, his demise, that, that's the demise of every, yeah. musician at that time into drugs and 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 all of that so i don't i don't know what did you hear in, in the news bill well, i heard pretty well um what you had heard and uh that um his being gay was played down and when it wasn't played down it was sort of presented in quite a pathological way that led to his death becoming affirming who he was as a gay man led to his death basically and uh, it, w- it was seen as being very problematic in many people's eyes. And, and you know, there's a history of problematizing um, gay men and lesbians, particularly in film. And mm. oftentimes they get uh, what I call dry, dry cleaned, mm. you know, and their images, the, the image is either one that's much more presentable or it's one that's much more clearly condemnable. Mm-hmm. And, right. uh, and so they're, you know, they're the saint or you know the best friend of everyone, like my best friend's wedding, right? Yeah. Uh, or they're the the villain who suffers from some kind of pathology that uh, mm-hmm. that causes them to destroy other people's lives, or has a clear expression of of their sexuality. In this case, mm-hmm. I definitely agree. There's a, there's definitely a scene in the film where it's very explicitly shown that he goes into a kink bar or a leather bar, and that is very very much sort of associated with. Uh, the malice and the his vices and going mm-hmm. down this rabbit hole in a sense. And it's very interesting that you mentioned sort of this, either you're a gay person that's presentable to heterosexual people or you're a gay person that involves themselves in like their own sexuality that's not necessarily presentable to heterosexuals. And there was a, a friend of mine who very much <laughs> coined it as a, uh, the Will and Grace effect to the show Will and Grace. It's mm. That wasn't necessarily a show for queer people, but more of a PSA of gay people for straight people to be presentable. Yeah, that's a, a good way of putting it. This texter says, I heard a 2010 interview with the lead guitarist of Queen, and they asked him about Freddie's sexuality. And he said, you should have asked Freddie. Uh, he said, we didn't talk about it. We were there to make music. He was a great lead singer who happened to be gay or bisexual, you said. And that's what Freddie wanted it to be about the music. Mm-hmm. And it's it, that comes off in the film it that does, it yeah. really is about the music. It is not about his sexuality. And there was a there's a point in the film where he's being interviewed uh, by the press and they keep pushing mm-hmm. about his sexuality and he just not. He's not, not saying he's not having it, not because he you didn't get the sense that he was ashamed. Yeah. It was like, you know, like, shut up and listen to our music. Exactly. Like, this is what we're here. Aren't you here to find out about our album? Mm-hmm. Why are you asking me about this? Mm-hmm. And I think that was uh, the theme. Yes. But but all in a context where in the 1980s, someone like um, Elton John, when he came out, he was banned from the airwaves of Great Britain. Um, and no one would play his music. And this was all happening about the same time. Right. And Mm -hmm. Elton John then got married to a woman 
and oh, I don't even back, remember that. Okay. Came back on the radio and was popular again, but it took years before Elton John could actually affirm who he was because he had been so scarred by the experience of being boycotted. Oh. I just learned something about Elton John. And wow. uh, there's an Elton John movie coming out, Rocket Man. Yes. So. I heard, yes. I heard yes. that there's uh, there's that. And apparently this movie, Bohemian Rhapsody, was uh, censored in in Malaysia. countries. Yes. I think Malaysia. Malaysia. I, I don't remember which countries, but where they took out any, any, any reference to his uh, homosexuality, anything. Yeah. Uh, so they and somebody had reported somewhere like they 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 took out like uh, twenty minutes of the <laughs> of the movie with all the references, but mm. then somebody said no, it was only three minutes. So I don't know. Uh, who knows it? Well, there wasn't really that much shown. No, not even I found in heterosexual scenes. I mean, there was definitely yeah. sort of like skin showing. There was references to maybe sort of like alluding to certain things. But regardless of heterosexual, homosexual, I don't think there, there was much focused on actual sex and sexuality as there much was about relationships and the music. Do you think the LGBT community was hoping that it, this would be because uh, that it would be more, um, what's the word? Like more affirmative. Yeah. More affirmative, affirming to their, to the community. Whereas really it was a film about music. Like if, if you really, mm. if you look at it, it was a film about, it really was about the music mm -hmm. and his 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 evolution in the music, how he got there, how it evolved, how he wrote music, how he collaborated. That was the focus, really the focus. I think as a like somebody who's interested, I would have liked to see more about his personal life simply because I know his music, but I didn't know much about his life. Mm -hmm. So I'm just wondering how the LGBT community. Uh, kind well, of felt or was hoping. My impression is, not having seen the movie, but my impression from reading people is, is that those who were born after he died and have a whole different experience of what it is to be gay had much greater expectations of visibility and his sexual sexuality and his sexual life being out there and up front in the film. Whereas those of us who lived through that period and knew what it was like to have to camouflage and hide and hide for your own safety and hide for your economic security, I think understood more the dynamics that were portrayed in the film where he was hesitant and didn't want emphasis put on that. Because no LGBT performer who wanted to be mainstream could put any emphasis right. on that part of their mm -hmm. life or they were damned. Doomed. Right, right. And so it helped that he was part of a band, even though he was the flamboyant one and the very yeah. dramatic one and, and it was all, all of that. Yeah. So it was accepted because the the rest of his bandmates were really straight. And, Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. And I would even I mean, agree with you is that post-death there's this sort of sort – of, uh, sainthood that has been put around him as the sort of this queer icon and this, yes. this sort of expectation of we have so few queer icons that we could sort of like say like that's one of us this yes. is ours and then this sort of grab of just saying like why are you sort of like putting him through like the wash as you said this sort of like diluting his sexuality or diluting his impact in our community and we've just sort especially of because he's an icon exactly yeah. right well, i think because we, people try and drag him into the 21st century rather than realize that he lived at the you know right he's last of half time, of yeah. the 20th century but music doesn't work like that right music music <laughs> doesn't age it doesn't age darling. right it's eternal <laughs> that's right yeah. but you know there's a, there's a backstory to all of that too in the sense that uh, in film up until 1964, the Roman Catholic Church in the United States had an office called the Hayes Office. 
and they gave um, movie classifications, whether movies could be seen or not in cinemas in the United States. And they had rules about how homosexuality had to be portrayed. Homosexual deviance is what it was called, how it had to be portrayed. And in a movie where a character was homosexual, it's very rare that they'd be female, more Mm -hmm. often male, Mm -hmm. that character had to be clearly in need of psychiatric treatment wow. or commit suicide before the end of the movie. Wow. And if you think of the movies of the 50s and 60s, Sal Mineo and uh, James Dean mm-hmm. and all these characters, they all had very tragic endings. endings. That's yeah. the only way the movie could be shown is if they ended that way. Wow. Yeah. Learning a lot about film and LGBT issues in film. Uh, we'll continue our discussion. Talk about uh, a new film coming out, Boy Erased, about conversion therapy. That's a big topic that we can uh, discuss with Professor Bill Ryan and Charles Lowe in studio. But first, uh, let's check in with our CJD 800 newsroom. The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. From the pleasure to the pain and everything in between. Passion with Dr. Lori. News Talk Radio, CJAD 800. In studio tonight, we have uh, Professor Bill Ryan. He's a longtime LGBT activist, founder of Project 10. He's a McGill professor. We have Charles Lowe, who is a musician and songwriter. You uh, may know him as Dolly Blonde. Performs on uh, November 25th at La Vitrola. Where can people uh, get information? Yeah, they can find information on my Facebook page. That's Dolly Blonde on Twitter as Dolly Blonde Music. Or, uh, sorry, Instagram as Dolly Blonde Music. And on Twitter as uh, Charles H. Lowe. All right, so they better remember both those names. But you, it will be a show you will not forget. Wonderful voice. Uh, so go check it out. Another event happening uh, that I just wanted to plug for a minute is the is it's called Royal Flush, the Drag Extravaganza. It's a fundraiser, November twenty third. Uh, this is uh, going to uh, the proceeds going to the West Island LGBTQ two plus center. It's the Youth Center, Youth and Senior Center out in uh, Beaconsfield, oh, and they're doing uh, something new for their fundraiser. So uh, you can check it out by going to lgbtq2center.com or email them info at lgbtq2center.com and that's their drag extravaganza fundraiser. They've got they've sold a lot of tickets so I know they've got a, a, a few available still. Uh, and we're talking uh, we're talking about the media, we're talking about movies uh, with LGBTQ themes. Now there's a, a new movie coming out. Has it been released yet? Uh, I do believe it has been uh, released, yes. Okay, Boy Erased. Boy Erased is in theaters. So it's it's in regular theaters, uh, and this deals with conversion therapy. And I want to talk about this a little bit because I've been talking to Bill Offair. He's like, "Oh yeah, this is going on right here." And he saw the whole document reportage here in in Quebec, and I'm like, "Whoa!" I thought that was gone. <laughs> it's like, well, it's pretty well gone from professional. Um Offices, if you're a psychologist, sexologist, uh, psychiatrist, psychiatrist, physician, um, it would be more complicated to find someone in those professions who would actually be able to ethically offer conversion therapy or curing of homosexuality. But um, there are some professionals who are associated with certain right-wing religious organizations on the island um, that um, in a kind of hidden way will offer conversion therapy and will tell people if they come to see them that they can actually cure their desires for people of the same sex, Mm -hmm. which has been totally refuted scientifically. 
but uh, and in some provinces uh, and jurisdictions across Canada and the United States, including uh, Nova Scotia and New Brunswick, these um, interventions are considered now to be criminal. But not here in Quebec. Not here in Quebec yet. So they, there was, a, you were telling me about a hidden camera, like what was that yes, whole story? Yes, um, one of the French TV networks um, did, they have a thing called Bureau Enquête as a TV show and they went in. Uh, the backstory to this is, is that there's an organization in Quebec City now that's doing inventory of all of these organizations that offer conversion therapy. Mm-hmm. And um, this TVA show um, kind of took that list and went surreptitiously with hidden cameras into offices asking psychologists, social workers, and mental health counselors if they could cure homosexuality. And they posed as someone who wanted to be cured. And um, many of them said, yes, they could. And it's through prayer and through, you know... You um, pray the gay away pray again. away the gay. Mm-hmm. And a couple of them actually said that they were members of professional orders like social workers or psychologists and they could give income tax receipts. And of course, that would uh, that started investigations with the professional orders because that's totally unethical. Right. As a professional belonging to a professional order, we're required to um, behave... Uh, in our work based on science, science not right. belief. Right. So, yes, exactly. So if you know of any any, any professional that works in, in this area, they should be reported because yes. it is completely unethical. And it does a great deal of damage to the person, particularly young people who may be taken there by their parents or who yes. are in a period of self-hatred. And this will only increase the self-hatred that they experience and perhaps lead to worse consequences like suicide. There was um. Do you watch Shameless? Anybody I do. Watch Shameless? So there, remember, I'm there a was that time watcher. There was that episode. Well, when he became the the kind of the gay Jesus. Remember the mm-hmm. and and it, originally it was to pray the gay away yeah. in a church, and then he got up, and then all these other kids whose parents had dragged them there, and they all rebelled against mm-hmm. that because, but they needed somebody to help them because these kids are stuck. They're they rely on their parents. They depend on them for everything. So to be able to rebel and say, no, I'm I'm not going is difficult. Yes. And if they're so indoctrinated into a certain religious ideology, then their whole worldview is built on that. And exactly. so in order to move away from that, they have to see their worldview demolished and re- have to reconstruct again in a moment of great vulnerability, their whole worldview from a different light. So let's talk about why that doesn't work, conversion therapy. For people who don't know what it is, what people do uh, for that, maybe we can talk a little bit about that. Sure. They um, Well, depending on the organization, it can be um, through a kind of what they would call spiritual counseling and praying. And in, in, in this particular – this document is on the internet if people want to look it up. It's called Bureau Enquête of uh, TVA. And um, they will say that uh, if the young person prays enough uh, and the young person commits themselves to practice heterosexuality, then um, heterosexual feelings will go grow and the same-sex attractions will disappear. But that's, that's one version. But then there's a whole continuum and uh, some of these organizations run boot camps mm-hmm. and some of them run boot camps in countries where they can do almost anything because the ideology in that country is that gay is bad. Right. So there's some American churches, for example, that uh, send the, parents send their children to these boot camps and sometimes they put them in holes in the ground and cover 
cover them over for days in this <gasps> kind of solitary confinement yep. in order to punish them when they have feelings of attraction for people of the same sex. Uh, it, it's, it's, so all it it's really results, of course, it's yeah, more than scandalous. It's criminal. There are horror stories on YouTube. It, it, trigger warning, but like if you if you go on YouTube and watch these horror stories, there are, there are cases of where uh, gay men would to put their hands in buckets of ice and mm-hmm. watch explicit gay activity or images and sort of associate that with pain of like putting their hands and it's at the end of the day it's it's torture that's exactly what it is that they actually call aversion therapy that particular format i think i saw this now i see i I binge watch so many things i forget which one it was but it was a a gay woman character okay i'll I'll, my brain will kick into gear at some point and i'll figure out what it was Uh, but it was also very interesting in in the time like way back like in the 40s was this american horror story by any chance no they also had a scene did they so this is see it's coming up quite a bit now Mm -hmm. we were talking about lgbt themes in uh in the media and in and we are seeing, I'm thinking, far more realistic portrayals than the the dry cleaned ones. Yes, we're beginning to. Yeah, and just and we're these just more realistic portrayals to. coexist with the dry cleaned ones still to some extent. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. right. Uh, we'd love to hear some of your thoughts. Have you seen Transparent? What do you think about that? We've been uh, discussing LGBTQ themes in film and television. Any of your favorites come to mind? Uh, let us know at five one four eight hundred. This is Passion with Dr. Lori. Tonight, it's our LGBTQ panel. We've got uh, Professor Bill Ryan, who's a longtime uh, LGBT activist, and Charles Lowe, who is a musician and songwriter, also known as Dolly Blonde, who will be performing November 25th at La Vitrola. You can find uh, him on Facebook. Uh, Hanny says, Dr. Lowe, why are we so behind in Quebec, so far behind towards uh, gay people? are we far behind? Like, no. is that we're not? Okay. No, I, I think that you know you can't be ahead in everything, right? But um, Quebec uh, traditionally has been quite progressive on these issues, um, with quel- quel- I was going to say quelques exceptions, with a few exceptions. <laughs> right. Uh, schools in Quebec were slower to take up the cause, and uh, on trans issues, Quebec um, was behind as well. But if you look at gay and lesbian rights, Quebec was the very first province to forbid discrimination in its human rights mm. laws. And uh, Quebec and Montreal particularly have reputations of being very, very LGBT-friendly cities and uh, right. region. Okay, so we are not far behind. We can be proud then. Uh, just a couple of things I want to talk about. Um, we're, we're focusing, I know, a little bit on... Uh, on the media and film and stuff, but I wanted to point out that this week is uh, anti-bullying week um, around the, well, I guess North America. But the the problem with bullying, I mean, it's a problem everywhere. But oftentimes, LGBT uh, youth and not just youth are um, are targeted for mm. for bullying. And there's some, uh, unfortunately, some stats that are quite scary there was uh, statistics in uh, in the uk a 2017 report found that nearly half of lgbt uh, plus pupils in britain were bullied over their sexuality or gender identity at school uh, and more than one in two so 50 percent reported hearing homophobic language frequently or often during their primary 
or secondary uh, education. So, one hundred percent, totally, totally agree. As a person who came up in the elementary school, secondary school programs in the two thousands, two thousand tens, I can one hundred percent agree that I've heard homophobic slurs, homophobic slangs. I mean. Even in grade one, people would say gay, people would say right. effort, people With, would say all queer. Without and, knowing what it without was, knowing. right? Yeah. And even to that extent, I would sort of go home saying, gay, what's gay? And like I Google it, and the first, the first games that come up is uh, is pornography. That's right. And that's my Imagine, at, at, in grade one. In the first, and I was like, oh, they're right. <laughs> okay, yeah. And going, and going through elementary school, going through high school, of course, experiencing bullying, experiencing homophobia within uh, your student body is a very troubling and upsetting thing and speaking of anti-bullying week um i remember in high school very distinctly in a uniform school saying i want to wear the specific color to show my support for anti-bullying i want to wear the specific color not being entirely out but just sort of having that sort of desire and felt the need and obligation to sort of sort of show my support for like, mm-hmm. the rest of the people who are going through the same thing obviously right yeah. Well, this is why we we also need gay straight alliances. One hundred percent. Different things, but where uh, even people who are straight identified will support yeah. and, and support causes yeah. and support rights and yeah. support all of that. So. I didn't even know I had gay high school teachers until we formed a gay straight alliance, and I was sort of felt this sort of unity and felt this sort of oh, I'm not the only one right. here. I'm not the sort of only like ugly duckling in this group, you know. Right. There, there are there are studies in the U.S. that say that the average Middle school student hears the word faggot 55 times a day. Oh, my goodness. Now, not necessarily directed at them. At them, right, but right. Just but just in, in an environment. Mm-hmm. And the other thing I think about bullying around, homophobic bullying, that's important to note is, is that it's not just the kids, not that this makes it any better or worse, but it's not just the kids who um, will identify as gay, lesbian, bisexual, or trans who are bullied homophobically and transphobically, but also any young person who doesn't conform to gender norms. Mm-hmm. And so, and that's often confused uh, because in primary school, no one knows what their sexual orientation is. No. But those who don't conform to what little boys are supposed to do and be like and little girls are supposed to do and be like, they get plastered yep. and attacked regularly uh, around their masculinity and their femininity. And it does great, it leaves a great deal of scarring. Oh, absolutely. 100%. Great damage. Um, so support uh, anti-bullying. It's anti-bullying week. So other other films, anything of your favorites that uh, that have a, a gay theme that you liked for me, Grace and, and Frankie, I loved because the, the, just very rarely do you see the depiction of older gay uh, individuals. And this and, and here we have the two husbands who are in their in their seventies. And you can you see the affection, you see the, the 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 way they talk about their relationship. You know, who had been in the closet for God knows how many decades. Mm-hmm. But I thought that even if it's it's television and it's not all that realistic, it, but it is it is representation and it's it's something. Mm-hmm. It's something. So mm-hmm. we're starting to, I think, see more and more. Yeah. There's a classic um, film that I'll name just because it involves love between two women. And oftentimes films ignore women Mm, and present male stories much more. But it's one called Desert Heart. And it's a beautiful love story between two women that takes place in Nevada in the 1980s. And it's become a classic. And it's 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 a really good story, but it's also a really good love story. 
Okay, yeah. great. And speaking of queer media with uh, representation to older queer generations, is a really interesting episode of uh, Gaycation, which is a, a television series which explores, uh, explores sexuality and gender identity within different parts of the world. Uh, there's a gay queer retirement home in San Francisco that exclusively caters towards queer oh, and gay wow. people and to sort of involve themselves with their own community because oftentimes you get uh, elderly queer people who are in these retirement homes who don't feel a part of the community feel well they ostracized. go back into the closet actually go back it, into the closet exactly. it's interesting because we've talked about this i think on air before where they ha- they're almost forced back into the closet um and it's difficult because they lived a life with a partner without being necessarily uh completely um out well, I don't even know what it would mean to be out for them, but whatever. They lived with with mm-hmm. a partner, and then suddenly they find themselves in, in a home, and everybody else is – most people are straight, and they come from a generation where they that's the old closeted. generation. And they were all closeted. And they were all closeted, exactly. Yeah. And here we go all over again. Yeah. So I know that when I give my talks to the retirement homes, which I do, I do safe sex talks. I also do uh, – I also always talk about LGBT. Like, and, and I notice in the room that there's usually one or two that I can see that might might be there. And they listen with intent, you know. Mm-hmm. Can yeah. I get a, a, a very quick, quick plug-in? Tomorrow yes, morning at 8.30 at the Cote St. Luke Banquet and Conference Hall, there is a half-day conference called Intervening with LGBT Seniors, Solutions for Effective Practice. Wonderful. Cote St. Luke Banquet and Conference Hall, 8.30 tomorrow morning. General public is welcome. Right, and uh, get up early and drive there early because God knows who knows what the weather will be like. Yes, exactly. Good luck, everybody. (laughs) Uh, That's it for us. Thanks so much for tuning in. Thanks to our panelists. Uh, Thank you, Bill, and thank you, uh, Charles. Very much appreciate it. Thanks to Dave Simon, our technical producer. You can connect with me on social media, of course, at Dr. Lori Petito or my website to drlori.com. Coming up next on CJD, the CTV National News. Have a great rest of the evening and remember to live your life with passion.